Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Mallard Report, the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio. Aired live, where the host and guests exchange thoughts and opinions with interaction from the duck pond. And now your host, Jim Mallard. That is me. I'm double-checking to make sure I didn't mute the microphone in that 30 seconds because... Well, that's good to know, because I was afraid there was a mice chewing on my headphone wire. <laughs> Always something, because normally I do during the intro just because I don't want, you know, well, I clicks and all this other stuff, but I didn't tonight. I've listened I've listened a couple of times when you pop back in after your guest has been talking for a while, and you're laughing your ass off talking about how, holy crap, I didn't hear a word of that. <laughs> I muted you, or I muted myself. Muted myself. I had the perfect question, and I just yeah. threw it away, because... Perfectly timed, little joke in there, and then you can never recreate it. Of course not, but it's funny nonetheless. So what the hell? <laughs> so my guest tonight, who is all over the show, is uh, Mari Zelkovic. Close. Close. Zelkovic. <laughs> well, go. you know, I was afraid of saying bitch. That probably is what I... <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> probably what got me going. So how are you doing tonight? I'm doing amazingly well, thank you for asking. How are you doing, Jim? I, like I told you, I'm I'm actually a little cold, but I'm getting a little warmer as the juices get flowing here. So maybe you well there, you do some push-ups while we talk. Yeah, I was gonna say I'll mute out here and do some exercises. <laughs> Be great on the video. Uh, <laughs> so, but for the listeners, uh, you were on in May. I want to say May. I I told you I listened to it, but I didn't pay attention to the date. So we're just gonna say May. So it gives people sure. time to go back to a little brief overview of what you do, so we can then jump forward. Certainly. All right. I'm basically the world's first and only brainwave entrainment engineer. I create audio signals that literally change how your brain behaves and its neurochemistry. My philosophy is that everything is about chemistry in your brain. So when you have an emotion, when you have uh, thought, anything at all, it's all there as a result of chemistry and the chemistry is there as a result of you making decisions. So I grew up through most of my life severely depressed, multiple suicide attempts, and all kinds of disgusting darkness. And as a result of that disgusting darkness, I have become, you know, a lot more knowledgeable as far as how the brain works. I've kind of taken what's happened to me and I reverse engineered everything. And now I create products and services that actually help people to break free of what they believe to be bad luck or, you know, anything along those lines at all. Most people go through the lives thinking they're not worthy. They're told by their parents. They're told by religion. They're told by this. They're told by that. They're told by themselves, you know, their teachers, their friends, and they eventually believe it and they give up. And I'm here to say that you shouldn't give up because they're all wrong. Uh, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. 
Mother Nature gave us a great little measuring tool. You feel good when you're happy and you feel bad when you're not. And that is Mother Nature's way of telling us you're doing or thinking the right things or you're doing and thinking the wrong things. And we're supposed to take action on it. We're not supposed to feel sorry for ourselves. Uh, we're supposed to be grateful for the good and the bad because they both keep us in line and give us indications that we're on the right track. So basically, that's what I do. I use my previous experience through all my life at this point, and I combine it with intuition, with science, and I create audio signals, and soon to be some kind of video signaling as well, that will influence the brain, the neurons, to fire in specific patterns, which then release different neurochemistry, which then is responsible for how you enjoy or not your life. Yeah, okay, so, you, we, we, <laughs> so, so much... And you, or as you heard, the, or as you heard that, blah 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 blah. No, I didn't hear that. <laughs> but I, 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 you kind of put me right in that jumping off point where I wanted to get to sure. about subliminal. Yes. Entrainment. I mean, I, I'm sure we're all familiar with the advertising that goes along with this, but to have it used for heaven forbid, good things. Um, go on, g g give me some more about oh. that because that, that that excites me because, like I said. Have it used for some good things for a change, kind of is. Definitely. You know, uh, there's been recent research. There's, there's a lot of controversy over subliminals, really, uh, whether they work or not. There's all the, you know, I'm sure you've heard of that old story about in the 50s. They would put every 50 frames or so a picture of a desert in the uh, theater, right, in the film. And they noticed that at the intermission, they sold like 500 times more Coke than they ever have. And we're talking about the liquid variety now, not the powdered variety. But that's wrong, actually. It was a lie. It was all faked for the sake of trying to prove the efficacy of subliminals. Now, interestingly enough, subliminals do work, and the research is bearing that out now. But subliminals tend to work more. Now, we're talking about, uh, you know, man-made subliminals as opposed to subliminals that may occur naturally in nature. So a man-made subliminal, I could give you a recording to listen to, Jim, and you could listen to it. And if you knew that it had positive statements about you, your life in general, and you wanted to hear this because you wanted to improve in these aspects, then there is an excellent chance that the subliminals would work for you. If you were unaware of them, you know, there's all these rumors about how shopping malls and with the Christmas music at this time of the year, they play music and then subliminally it's spend money, spend money, spend money, buy gifts, buy gifts, buy gifts. Well, that doesn't work because the people aren't aware that it's there. And they're not, they're not willing participants either. So subliminals can be used very effectively, especially because they're you know, you can basically listen to them anytime and listen to them is kind of an oxymoron because you're not really listening. They're happening in the background. The concept is that they get through your conscious mind into your subconscious because your conscious mind doesn't quote unquote hear anything and your subconscious mind does. So that's the whole point behind subliminals. I have subliminals in my products, not, not in every recording, but as a component of more, uh, many of my products because when someone buys a product, they know what they're getting, they know what the script is, they know what's being said to them, and they want these statements to become real for them. And because of that, they get 
a stronger effect. And, you know, I get compliments all the time on my subliminals. And it's funny because it's not really me that's doing anything. It's you, the listener, who has decided I want to be exposed to these positive statements. I want to think positively and I want to do better. So uh, interestingly enough, though, you mentioned, I don't know if that was a Freudian slip or if you've been looking at my brain prints, but you actually mentioned something called subliminal entrainment. Now, what I do, I'm actually, as I mentioned, brainwave entrainment engineer. That's with pulsing tones and or lights that the signal gets sent to your brain through your eyes if it's lights and ears if it's tones. And it causes your neurons to fall into line with the pulse rate. So if it's, t- if it's 10 hertz or 10 times per second, which is an alpha, an alpha stage, an alpha level, then what happens is your brain will start following that frequency. And as it follows that frequency, different neurochemistry is produced, which makes you feel more relaxed, you know, that kind of a thing. That's one of the reasons why we close our eyes when we go to sleep, because closing our eyes naturally brings us into alpha. And that's what we want. We want to go beta to alpha to theta to delta and then up and down through the sleep cycle. So that's what happens. But when you said subliminal entrainment, that was interesting because there's a lot of people out there who actually claim to have subliminal entrainment. The funny thing is, it's impossible for them to have it because you have to hear the tones or see the lights in order for entrainment to occur. If you do not hear the tones, your brain doesn't know how to react. So even if they're making the recordings properly and even if they're doing everything right, which is unlikely because they already don't know the basics of entrainment or neurology, then what's happening is their brain isn't going to recognize this subliminal tone as anything and nothing's going to happen because for entrainment to occur, which is again, your brain pulsing in tune with these beats and then releasing the chemistry, it actually has to hear it because your ears have to send a signal, then off, signal, then off, signal, then off. When that happens, that's when your neurons started training or following that frequency. What I've done is I've come out with a technology that actually allows for subliminal entrainment to work. And the, it's really simple, but it took me forever to figure it out. I basically give my clients the same recording that's subliminalized. So the tones, ba 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 ba, in my brain prints recordings, which are subliminals. And then I tell them with this audible recording, they need to listen to that wearing stereo headphones, lying down, comfortable volume, eyes closed twice a week. What that does is it takes advantage of something called muscle memory because I look at the brain as a muscle. So what happens is your brain learns to recognize what happens and the feelings and the sensations when you actually hear these tones. So now when you're listening to the subliminal, it's playing while you're cooking or watching TV in the background, your subconscious mind is sensing these tones and it actually makes a correlation. It makes a connection between the ones that they heard earlier in the week. And now it knows how to react. So much like muscle memory, an athlete who is sitting on on the couch and imagining he or she is running, right? Feeling the air washing by the face and everything. Your muscles will actually react as if you are running. And it's the same thing with your brain. So your brain hears this recording. It relates it back to the actual audible version. And it gives you I mean, it's not as prominent 
the entrainment, but it still gives you an entrainment which releases neurochemistry, which then is conducive to allowing the positive statements which are being presented subliminally to anchor themselves deeper into the subconscious and people end up with much faster results that way. So I have two very different follow-ups. Sure. Which are gonna, so you're going to answer one and then I'm probably going to ask the other one and then we'll probably be just tracing this all night. <laughs> <laughs> but the holiday music thing, you said they're not necessarily intentionally paying attention to, to buy gifts subliminally in there. But is there – because most of the time you hear Christmas music. Yes. It, there's a – I mean, most of most of the good Christmas music, I'll say it, is yeah. uh, older. Frank Sinatra, back yep. – da, 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 da. So that most of most of us have grown up hearing these songs from childhood till today. <laughs> That's true. So maybe subliminally, not necessarily even in the messaging, but having that song – tied to a memory, so to speak. Yes. Is, is that part of this? Or, I mean, not necessarily part of what you were talking about, but part of their hidden agenda playing these same songs over and over again? Oh, yeah. It's a function of it for sure because we've all made the connection and the relation that Christmas is all about presents, right? Right. It's all about presents. It's all about spending money. It's all about buying something. You know, a lot of people buy presents, not because they necessarily want to, but because they know they're going to get presents and they don't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> So you're right. When you hear these recordings and you hear Frank Sinatra singing and you hear even the Muzak version of all these songs going right away, you have that relate that relationship with money and spending money. And sure, they play the Christmas music at the malls exactly for that reason, because Christmas is designed as an economic boon for companies. Let's face it. If it wasn't for the Christmas shopping season, quote unquote, a lot of companies wouldn't make any profit. That's you true. Know? Scary, but true. Yeah. So you that's very good for you. I, I mean, I'm very impressed that you saw that because until you said it, I never even considered that as a as a possibility. I always figured maybe people who didn't know what they were doing were sticking subliminals in there, hoping it would work. But you saw right through it. In reality, it's probably just the fact that we are brought up on Christmas music and presents. It's like a Pavlovian response. You hear a bell, you salivate. <laughs> You hear the Christmas music, you spend money. I mean, that's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> we're, we're done here. We can go home now. No. Yeah, we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy now. <laughs> okay, so the uh, you've mentioned subliminals making people feel like they're exercising. How about the opposite, though? Could we like do pain management with it? Oh, for sure, definitely. And again, it all like the the way that it's going to be successful with that is with having positive messages about coping with pain, doing things about the pain, and having the listener be completely aware of what is being said, why it's being said, and the intention behind it all. So that I have pain all the time, I cope a lot better because I listen to subliminals that I made, and entrainments, frankly, that help my body to understand and my mind to understand that this too shall pass. You know, there are moments when it's better than other times. And, you know, I mean, this is going to sound a little morbid, but life doesn't last forever. So it's a real shame, even if you're in pain all the time, to allow it to rule you the whole time you're here. And your opinion of your pain is often inflating it or acting as an inflammatory to the pain itself. And if you change your attitude about that pain, you will find that that pain level will drop. No matter how much pain you have, I firmly believe 
that a significant amount of it, enough that you would notice anyway, is due to how you are coping or not coping, uh, how you choose to look at the pain. And when you look at it in a more healthy way, then a lot of that, I mean, think of it in simple terms. When you are nervous and worried, you tighten up, right? Oh, yeah. Imagine if you made a fist, like, you know, make a fist right now and then release it, right? You feel the tension when you're fisting, sorry, when you're making a fist and then when you're releasing it. So now imagine you're holding your fist now for three hours. You can imagine the pain that you would be in, in your hands and in your wrists and in your arms, who knows where else, just because of the stress and the strain you're putting on your joints and your muscles for that amount of time. Well, just imagine when you're worried all the time about your pain, think about how much of your pain is legitimate and how much of it are you creating through your worry and through your focusing on it all the time. Oh, now see, we, now, we, now we flip the tables on this. Sure. It's easy to do, and you can flip it right back if you want. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in reality, you know, I mean, that's a lot of what my business is about is helping with pain. You know, there, there is a, a doctor uh, who's like one of the top researchers for Alzheimer's in your lovely country, in California, actually. And uh, his name is Dr. Dale Bredesen. He wrote a book recently that's been published called, I believe it's called The End of Alzheimer's. And one of the parts of his protocol, uh, the protocol has been shown to arrest and even reverse Alzheimer's in many cases. So if any of you are dealing with people out there, or even yourself in the early stages, I strongly suggest you get this book and then introduce your specialist to this book as well. But one of the, one of the aspects of his book is a recording of mine called Neural Agility. And it's designed to help stimulate the brain, but it's also designed to help relax the individual. And he recognizes a large part of healing can be held back and hindered by stress. And often, let's face it, in our world, we're under stress so often that it's very likely that a lot of our issues, our pain, our, our you know, whatever the issues might be, are you know directly related in some fashion or another to the stress in the first place. And I'd be interested to see if we could eliminate stress entirely, how illness would react, you know, how many people would get seriously ill, how the numbers of heart disease might change you know, and, and tumors of other sorts as well. You know, it'd be interesting to see just how much of our problem is stress-related and, and ages of stress. You know, we're used to stress now. Stress is part of our culture. Without, without doubt. I, I just, I've been, it's funny that you're right at this point because I was watching the history of cars or Henry, one of the Henry Ford, I don't remember, something about Henry Ford, and they were talking about how he made 15 Model A or Model T's, whichever one it was, and was reluctant to change it. And I'm sitting here going, just imagine how much simpler that, well, that's like what, 120 years ago or so? How much, si like how much simpler life was then? And that, that's like a blink of an eye in the grand scheme of history. So you sure. go back another 120 years where, you know, there's no, well, I guess there's no electric, so maybe life isn't that much simpler. But. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> there are studies out there, my friend, lots of them that have, the, you know, they're, believe it or not, even in our world today, a million, something like a billion people are 
I don't know, uh, who even knows the numbers, at least a billion people out of the eight of us that are here, eight billion, okay, are without electricity and don't even know what electricity is for the most part. Okay, they don't know what it's like to even have a flashlight. Now, you feel sorry for them. You know, you feel sorry. You think to yourself, wow, how did, what did people do with their lives, you know, 100 years ago, right? What did people do with their lives if they don't have TV and video games and radio and, and, and internet and all these things? Well, you know what? They're busy with life. The truth of the matter is that there have been studies done using villages that are completely off the beaten path. No TV, no internet, no technology, no nothing. If you or I were to look there and to go there, we would thank God we have everything we have. Oh, my God, we have medicine and we have this and we have that. And these people have nothing. I feel so sorry for them. You know what? They're happier than we are. So I the guess people with less are happier. So I guess the question is, is there a line in there somewhere? Because, like you said, they're happier without all that stuff. But medicine makes life better. I mean, more They're happier. Isn't the bottom line, isn't, isn't when you drill down through all the iPhones and through all the computers and all the diamond rings and all the Mercedes Benz, isn't the whole point that you're going for to be happy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the truth is we don't need any of that garbage. And as a matter of fact, it keeps us from being happy or at least as happy as we could be. So you got the sad reality. You know, so, you, you have people who come on the show all the time talking about really scary topics. Well, I don't think anybody's going to come up with a scarier topic than this one we just did right now. <laughs> the quest for happiness is um, down a dirt road. It certainly is. You know, there was a time when people got up with the sun. They worked all day. They, they worked. There was a strong sense of community. Everyone helped everyone. Uh, money wasn't overly important. It was like you got to do what you got to do. And if someone couldn't do it, you did it for them and you did it with a smile on your face. And then they ate dinner and they went to sleep. And then they got up and they did the same thing all over again. And you know what? There wasn't any or, or, or incredibly low varieties of diseases that kill us every five minutes. And obesity pretty much didn't exist. You know, and these people were eating hyper-fat diets all the time. <laughs> you know, if any of us ate like that, we'd weigh like a ton, literally a ton. So we are conned by our, by our existence and by our, you know, everything we have that's supposed to make our lives easier. Uh, we're conned by society. We're conned by marketing. We're conned by this. We're conned by that into believing that if you're not happy with a million dollars, you'll be happy with two. And then if you're not happy with two, you'll be happy with five. And the idea is just to keep us striving for stuff that isn't going to make any real difference in our lives, as opposed to us listening to the internal messages, your heart, your, your heart, you know, the way your heart feels from a love perspective and a compassion perspective, what feels right for you as opposed to what society maybe says you should be striving for, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all this other stuff. We are truly, you know, it's not government that lies to us it's ourselves you know you can't blame your government you can't even blame the marketing companies if no one bought this crap it wouldn't be like that you know uh, where I live housing is incredibly expensive it's beyond unreasonable okay you can literally buy a house for a million dollars that in a depressed part of the world would sell for 5,000 and 10 minutes later sell it for 1.2 it's insane <laughs> absolutely insane what goes on in our world and 
we are just taught to keep climbing and to keep striving. Eventually, we'll get over that wall. Eventually, we'll get over that wall. And you know what? Take a breath. Step back. Go within instead of without. And you will find everything you need. You'll be able to listen to all the little nuances of your intellect and of your emotions and of your heart. And that's what will make you happy. It's not a struggle, but we're so distracted by all the garbage that we're told is going to make us happy. And we believe it because let's face it, these people look happy when they tell us, right? (laughs) They're experts. You know, the rich tell us what we need to do to be rich. We believe them because they're rich. Rich is not just money. As a matter of fact, money is probably the least quality that makes you rich. And that's part of what I'm about. You have to remember, Jim, that I grew up most of my life every morning waking up, looking out the window with my fingers crossed, hoping I would see mushroom clouds. Yeah, I remember that. I listened to it again this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not being afraid of it, but wanting to see it. This is how screwed up I was. But the beauty of being how screwed up I was, it gave me an outlook on life that someone who had it maybe a little bit easier may not have had. Or maybe they didn't suffer for 35 years like I did. You know, you suffer for a few years, that's more than enough. As you know, Jim, as anyone out there knows, when you're in hell for one minute, it feels like an eternity. That is true. But when you're out of hell, that also feels like an eternity too. That's the beautiful thing. You know, and hell is there to teach you something. I remember watching a TV show, funny, a little wisdom comes from a TV show, but I remember the devil talking, saying, you know, I don't know why everyone hates me so much. All I do is punish evil people. I don't do anything to good people. Good people don't come to me, only the bad ones. Kind of makes a point, doesn't it? Certainly does, especially based on that belief. I mean, yeah. Okay, so, pause for a good question from Germantown Runner here. Waves hello to all the people in the chat room. guess I should actually wave at the camera. That'd probably be a good idea, too. (laughs) Uh, Regarding his view on giving at Christmas, I've also read we give, air quotes, as a a way to transmit as that we like to receive... Wait, too many lines here. That we (laughs) (laughs) we would like a gift. Our actions toward others are a telegraph of a need that we needs to be fulfilled. What do you think about that? You know what? I agree completely. There are so many, you know, not everybody is exactly the same and not everybody's going to be motivated the same way. That happens a lot, I'm sure, uh, especially with people that might feel lonely or like they are alone. You know, just because you might have a lot of family or a lot of friends doesn't mean you feel close to anybody. And if you don't feel close, you might just do that because you know what? When you, there's nothing sadder on Christmas morning than looking under your tree and finding, you know, a paper bag there, you know, with the lunch that you made for yourself for that afternoon. You want to see tons of presents underneath there. You want to feel loved. And in our society, we've equated giving presents with love. And like, let's look at, you know, my eyes are very limber. I have the most limber eyes in the world because they're so used to rolling into the back of my head. I love these commercials where it shows a guy and a girl and they're talking about the ultimate expression of love. Not treating your woman right. You can kick her in the head as long as you buy her a diamond. <laughs> right? You know, it's like, it's like push her off the seat so you can have it in the bus, but give her a diamond and that makes it all okay. You know, buy this and it doesn't matter. But this is part of our warped philosophy. 
because we have been brought up with this kind of, you know, we've been brought up with this mindset that you show love by buying people things. You know, my wife and I, we don't celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate Hanukkah. We don't celebrate, you know, any Muslim holidays. We don't celebrate any holidays from any race or group of people. You know why? We celebrate every day. Every that's single day. That's a lot of gifts. No. No gifts. It's love. <laughs> it's a hug. It's a wink. It's a, it's a, it's a gentle caress. It's, you know... Ultimate gift, I, I've probably told you this before, and I'm sorry out there if I'm repeating myself, but, you know, when I get a nice paycheck, it feels good, you know, no question. But when I have a customer tell me, like I did today, I had three customers, two send me an email, one call, and they just told me how much they absolutely appreciate me and my work because of how much it's had a positive effect on their lives. And they're even a little bit happier than they were the day before. That makes me so happy. That's what fills my heart. That's what makes me feel like I had a reason for being born. You know, I used to stand in line waiting for iPhones. And five minutes later, you know, for months, I'd be following YouTube channels and drop tests and everything. <laughs> all excited, all excited. Five minutes after getting the iPhone. Yeah, so. Yeah, literally. Well, and it's not, and this isn't an iPhone product. You could take Samsung or LG or anybody. So I'm not bad-mouthing Apple. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that we are so misled and we allow ourselves to be so misled it's you know and we have the power within us that's the thing that really annoys me because you know and i was the dumbest of them all i probably still am in many ways but it took me to be depressed for 35 years like dark of dark before i finally smartened up wow Sorry, I'm mad at myself now for taking so long. No, that's okay. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put a pin right in this, and I'm going to do a shameless plug so we can get clean out of the topic. Go for it. Uh, On the Lost Files on my page at Mallard.com, there's an interview I did with Fred Queller years ago, like early on in the show history. It was only half an hour, and I didn't use it as a full report because, well, it was only half an hour. But Fred is the CEO of Diamond Cutters International, paying back to this gift thing. And I'll never forget the line that sticks with me like all the time when I see these commercials for these chocolate diamonds. Fred tells me straight up, they're drill bit diamonds and they're making them really expensive. Don't buy them. Wow. And it just sticks with me. So go listen to the rest of the interview, everybody out there. It's great stuff. He talks, his company made some Super Bowl rings and all sorts of fun stuff. But you mentioned diamonds and that just rings back through my head because can you just imagine buying something that they normally use for drill bits, giving it to your wife, and you pay the thousand time markup because it was something special on TV. And really, it's just a piece of garbage that they're putting in a ring. But anyways, oh. anything to make you, you know, anything to make you feel like you're making a difference. When your wife, in this case of a diamond ring, you know, your wife would be a lot more appreciative if you kept the money, didn't spend it on a diamond ring, and instead maybe spent some time with her. Or you know, instead of just watching television next to each other, not saying a word or bouncing back and forth off your phones, you know. Or, you know, bought the drill bit and did something productive. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Even better. But that, that's what it's about, you know. Uh, a lot of us walk around wondering and not understanding that our, you know, 
what's my purpose? Is there a purpose? Am I just here wasting time? Uh, you know, how do I do this? Why aren't I happy? Well, you know, if you keep doing the same thing and you get the same result, you know, you know why you're getting the same result because you're doing the same thing. But if you're doing the same thing and you expect to get a different result, well, that's something else entirely. And all you need to do is just keep trying different things. You will find what it is for you. You know, I have my customers asking me all the time, you know, how do you find your passion? How did you find your passion? You know what? You find your passion by dipping your, you know, by dipping your line in the water and seeing what you catch. That's true. You'll know yeah. it. You'll know it when you feel it. When yeah. You'll feel it when you have your passion. And in the meantime, the looking is an incredible learning experience. It's wonderful. Yeah, sometimes you've got to get off gamble. Don't, yeah. don't let your passion become gambling. That, no, that's not what I said. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice clarification there. Yeah, I don't want to be sued for that later on. I was listening yeah. to the show, and he said gamble because that's a good hobby. No, that's not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tying your spouse to a wheel, spinning them around and throwing knives, that's also a great idea, too, by the way. And that's also a joke, <laughs> just in case anyone out there has been drinking while they're listening. So. Uh, do you, what do you feel about social media? Do they help or hurt us as a society? You know what? It's, everyone is so eager to blame everything for their problems. <laughs> you know, you, you asked me earlier in the week, you know, what is there a bee in my bonnet or what grinds my gears or something? And uh, I, I told you that really there's nothing. And I guess what really grinds my gears is that. <laughs> That's what grinds my gears. I, I don't understand why people are so eager to blame everything else for their problems. You know, it's well-known fact if you're an alcoholic, you're halfway to a cure if you admit you have a problem. Right? All right. Yeah. You, you can't blame other people for your problems because if you look around – I mean, we all live in the same world, right? So how come if I'm depressed, everybody isn't depressed? Now, in North America, almost everybody is depressed. But I'm talking about the whole planet, okay? It's because I'm busy blaming my government. I'm busy blaming war. I'm busy blaming the newspapers and the media and this and that, you know, golf courses. I'm blaming anything and everything. I'm blaming earplugs. Okay, I'm blaming a brick. I'm blaming a, a flash drive. I'm blaming a piece of Kleenex. I mean, they all have equal blame, which is none. How we take everything is what matters and how we interpret it. And if we choose to get something valuable out of any experience at all, we will. But if you choose to give up and if you choose to make an excuse because, as you said very appropriately, you didn't want to take a risk, right? Because... The worst thing about a risk is, what if you fail? Now you're going to feel even worse and other people are going to make you feel worse. You know what, Jim? I've done like half a dozen businesses that failed miserably by other people's standards. Yes, they went out of business, no question. But they were learning experiences of, in, I couldn't pay money for this kind of value. Okay, There's no course in the world where I could pay any number of dollars, a million dollars, two million dollars, that would have given me the knowledge and the ability and, and, and the the know-how that I have now because of those quote-unquote learning experiences, which other people would call failures. So we need to get off of that blaming people. First of all, blaming people doesn't help. I think one of the biggest things you can do to help yourself in this world is to learn how to forgive someone and yourself. And you know the easiest way to forgive 
someone, you don't have to actually go up to them and forgive them. Okay, but in your mind and in your heart, you have to forgive them. The best way and the easiest way to forgive them is to realize that you're actually not hurting them by having this hatred and this holding this grudge. You're hurting yourself. And if you're really upset at them for doing what they did to you, like the government or, or an uncle or a father or a mother or whatever, then you're actually making it even worse. So whatever they did, you're allowing them to make it even worse by holding that grudge and by not forgiving. When you forgive someone and yourself, it makes it so much easier to move on. Think of it this way, Jim. If you're happy, are you likely to go up to someone and punch them in the face? Nah, probably not. Probably not, exactly. <laughs> if you're happy, are you likely to swear and yell at people? Most most likely not, but there are certain circumstances that it's there might be certain. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't roll it out completely. Fair, fair, fair enough. Well, we are human after all. So my point is that anyone who did anything bad to you, or that you perceived did something bad to you, already is as miserable as they can get. That's why they did what they did. Right. You can't make them any worse than they are. The best thing you can do, and again, you don't have to tell them I forgive you, but in your mind, you need to forgive. And in your mind, you need to forgive yourself for whatever you perceive you did wrong. You know, I waited till I was like, I don't know, my mid-40s before I started developing my technology. And I sometimes think to myself, I wonder what, where my life would be now if I had figured all this out when I was 25 instead of 45. Right. Right. How much farther ahead I could be and all the problems that I have today that I wouldn't necessarily have because they would be 20 years farther in the past and all of these things. But if I do that, I'm not doing myself any good. I'm hurting myself. Instead, I choose to look at all this quote unquote hell that I went through as learning by fire, you know, and I just learned it was all the valuable stuff. Believe it or not, I even look at my suicide attempts now as something to be grateful for. Well, they, because they, I learned so much from them. As I say, they say the best lessons are learned the hard way. Yeah, and we're human beings. We don't like learning easy way. <laughs> we <laughs> often don't listen. We don't listen if someone tells us something sweetly. But if they're yelling and screaming and we think our life's in danger, then we're going to listen. So I, I, this is just really strange at this point because... I wrote this down earlier. This is pre-show. I wrote this line down. How do you delete bad people or groups from your life? And uh, it doesn't. It just seems like we have to just move past that. Is that what you're telling me? And just say well, yes. There, there's some. You know, that's a great question. There's some people that you can't delete from your life. Like let's say they're your parents or or your kids or you know someone particularly close to you that you really can't do anything about. Now you can of course divorce your spouse, but you can't divorce your children. Uh, or your parents. So the, the idea here is that the people that are, you know, being the old energy vampires or who are doing you wrong or making you feel bad, they make you feel bad because that's nature's way of saying you need to get rid of them. They're not smart enough to know that they're bad for you, but they are smart enough to make you not comfortable around them, <laughs> you know, so they act in ways and say things and do things that just get on your nerves all the time. And the idea is you're supposed to act on that, not ignore it, not go, oh, well, we've been friends for 20 years. 
you know what? Relationships are like uh, a quart of milk, okay? It can be good for a month, and after that it goes sour. Relationships can be the same way. There's no reason why anything has to last forever, you know? So what you do is you get rid of the people you can because it's, you know, your body, your life, your mind is telling you you need to. And those that you can't, you do the old forgiveness thing. And you understand that these people are misery anyway, and that's why they're acting the way they act. When you realize it's not a personal thing against you, it becomes so much easier for you to be Teflon and these things just to slide right off of you. You know, my wife had a brain tumor, I think it was like 15 years ago or something. And her doctor called her in and said, you have to get all the a-holes in your life out, out of it. You have to call up every single person in your phone book who aggravates you and tell them, don't call me. We're done. And you know what? She did it. And you know what? She's alive. And you know what? Now the tumor's just a, like a pebble in her brain. It's not growing. It's not doing anything. It's like petrified wood. It's just there. You I know? love it. All, yeah, all these things are signs. I mean, thank you so much for bringing this stuff up because people need to understand that if you have a friend – like, let's use a friend as an example, because that's the easiest. So you have a friend that you've had for a long time, but when you're around them, you get, like, nervous, and they say the dumbest things, or at least to you, they seem like the dumbest <laughs> things. They may not be the dumbest things, but to you, they aggravate you, they annoy you, whatever. That's a sign. You, have, you can't just ignore it. You can't be loyal to someone. Look, if they need your help, you come by on the street, and they broke their arm, and you need to help them, you help them. But there's no need for you to suffer. And this is, you know, alluding back to what I was talking about before, how nature gave you this feeling good and feeling bad. You need to take action. Okay. I burned my hand when I was a kid. Did you hear that in the show? Did I use that story too? Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. But very (laughs) quickly, you know, I see this hot element. I'm a young kid. I reach for it. My mom goes, oh, honey, don't do that. You'll burn yourself. Her voice was a little higher, I think. And then, you know, two seconds later when she's busy again and not watching, I put my hand back and she goes, honey, don't do that. And then the next time, honey, don't do that. And she slaps my hand. Well, the fourth time she didn't catch me and I burnt the crap out of my hand. To me, that's a microcosm of how nature works. If you don't listen to the messages, nature will get louder and louder and louder and more and more painful until you do listen. So start listening to your pain. Start listening to your aggravation. Start listening to your stress that others cause you. And, and you know, be grateful for it and take action based on it. It's all there to help you. Even though it's making you nervous and upset, that's only because you didn't listen when it first said, you know, this person's not right for you, Maury. You should not be friends with them. I didn't listen. So it got louder and louder. And that's what people need to do, too. They need to recognize the signs and the signals and stop misinterpreting things. You know, people interpret resistance as a bad thing. Got to avoid it, right? Yeah. yeah. Avoid that feeling of resistance. Actually, resistance is like one of the last gasp attempts to get you to change something. Resistance is actually to stop you from changing. Resistance makes you back away and not face something. The truth is, when you feel resistance, that's the sign that you should move forward, not stop moving. Unless, of course, you know, it's telling you, you know, the resistance is telling you don't drive your car into a wall or don't jump out of an airplane without a parachute. (laughs) Otherwise, you know, for doing reasonable things, if you're feeling resistance, 
you know, for instance, you have a report due from work or school and you don't do it because you feel this resistance all the time. Well, that's a resistance that's actually telling you, you need to push through this. When you push through it, you will feel so amazing and empowered. But the resistance is there. We've been trained to feel resistance because it keeps us disempowered and it keeps us meek. And for some reason, there's a group of people that need to feel superior and they need to feel like they're leading us. And God forbid any of us feel like we have any you know, free will or personal power. Well, no, because none of us should have anything. No, of course not. Because if I have something, then that's less for you, right? All right. But that's, now, not how, that's not how reality works, really. But that's how they think it works, you know. And then I'll want it. And then we'll be in this game of competition of you have exactly. all this stuff. Right. Or you could go to the native cultures of North America. The native cultures of North America or the northern cultures, the Inuit, they have a philosophy where if you need a hammer, you use it. When you're done, you put it on you know, a block of ice, and the next guy who needs it picks it up and uses it instead of packing it away and locking it up so no one can touch it, right? If you're too old or too infirm and you can't do anything, you can't hunt, you can't, you know, take care of yourself, then people take care of you and they hunt for you and they feed you. And if you're, you know, if you're able to work, if you're able to do things, you do it and you do it all with a smile because you know down the road you're going to be that guy who needs the help. Everybody lives like a big family. That explains what happened to my hammer. There you go. <laughs> An Inuit walked off with your hammer. But don't worry, because he put it down somewhere, and somebody else picked it up, and they're using it now, too. So. I was going to say, sometimes it seems like that's how things go around here. But... <laughs> especially pens. Yes, especially pens. Just, uh, there used to be a bunch on my desk, and right now there is one. <laughs> Well, actually, pens are easy to find and figure out who took them. You just look for the teeth marks in the top end. <laughs> this is true, but you got to find them first. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I just buy a pack of 25 Bix, and they're, they're done. If people take them, they take them. You know, enjoy them. See, my problem is I like these uh, Pilot gel pens for the when uh -huh. I'm doing the show. Right. They write really nice. And, but Nice and smooth, puts you in a good mood. Yeah, yeah, and you know how this all goes, though. They they run faster than the Boston Marathoners. <laughs> <laughs> well, with me, I just have a pin near me and a, and a blotter, and I just poke my finger when I want to write that note down. So. I thought about getting one of those chains from the bank, but I think they'd be mad at me if I... <laughs> <laughs> I just tie a string around it, the poor man's version. So I, I've got this other question here about people texting in the same room. Oh. The, the, that was referenced in a restaurant, but I, I see it in the same like, like in the same living room. Some people just sitting there, and you know they're texting the person beside them. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> I can understand you know you're texting somebody you know that isn't there, and you're telling them yeah. how much fun they're missing, blah blah blah. But the person right beside you, what is the, uh, what's the game? What, why? Okay, that, sorry, go ahead. Uh, why? I don't get it. Why? <laughs> okay. Well, you don't get it. Good for you. You're one of the few. Uh, we are. We have evolved into a technologically dependent people or society, especially in North American cities. Okay. I can't speak to Europe because I've never been to Europe. So Europe, you're off the hook. But uh, as far you know, maybe if somebody's you know in the duck pond right now and they live in Europe, uh, you know. Maybe they can make a comment if this is if they see the same things. But 
I'll routinely see people like in a family uh, family room, you know, watching TV, and they will actually, you know, it's their favorite show, and they will be texting through their show, or or scrolling through, you know, Pinterest or something, or who knows what they're scrolling through. I mean, it could be porn for all I know, but we have been turned into an antisocial social group. You know, you talked about. And I kind of avoided it in the beginning. You talked about social media, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like an oxymoron, which is to say that social media actually makes us antisocial because true social is people with people. Right. Okay. It isn't people with phones or with tablets or, you know, that kind of thing. But everything is shrunk down. So now we have something we can hold in our hand that has more power than computers had 10 years ago. And we're able to do all this stuff and we're afraid we're missing out on things. So we can't put our phones down. But what I'd like to ask everybody to do is to take one day a week where you leave your phone at home. What? And you think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, I'm going to get threatening letters now. <laughs> but, you know, the truth is you're going to be surprised at how easy it is and how freeing it is. You think you're free because now you can do a Google search anytime. I mean, I just got Google home. Poor me. <laughs> you know, I don't even have to pick up a phone anymore to access the internet. So, but the truth is, I leave my phone home once a week. Aren't you afraid of getting lost? Nope. Not knowing where to eat? And I don't even, <laughs> and I don't have anything in the car either. I don't, my car doesn't have a GPS. So, I don't care. Because my customers know that I'll get back to them eventually. So I'm not like having to worry if customers are going to miss me or they need me. I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not a heart surgeon. Nothing that urgent is going to be coming my way. Uh, and it, you have no idea how freeing it is. But that is, that's the paradox here. That people are so freed or they think they're freed by the technology that in reality it's the perfect jail cell. It's the perfect pair of handcuffs because people put them on willingly thinking they're bracelets with chocolate diamonds in them. <laughs> they do. And that is the ultimate con job that something is sold as a convenience and in reality is the least convenient thing in the world. You know, I don't know. You probably remember. I, it depends where you were. But about 10 years ago or something, maybe even less. I don't even remember now. It was a while ago. Uh, someone made a mistake in Michigan on a power grid and it basically threw out all of Southern Canada and uh, North central U USA, mm -hmm. no power for like at least three or four days. Yeah. Okay. And I got to tell you something. I have never been so happy. There were people having barbecues because the food was going to go bad. So everyone was having community barbecues. Everyone was partying outside and having a great time and laughing and, and turning into human beings again. You know, when we were free of this, you know, just wait. You know, they predict that, a, uh, that we're overdue for a massive uh, solar flare. And the last time we had a solar flare, electricity was just getting started and it actually knocked out. Uh, what was it called, um, telegraph companies? Because I think that was the only thing that pretty much had electricity at the time. But it knocked them out for like a couple of months before they could get everything back online again. And if that happens now, you know, 
everything electronic goes bye-bye. And these people who think they would be freaking out will suddenly feel like they had the weight of the planet taken off of their shoulders. I am telling you, people are going, no, no, Maury, not me. I need my phone. I need this. I need that. I'm telling you, go a full day without it, okay? Stick it in the drawer. Don't even leave it out in the open so if you're home, you see it, you feel the need to go after it. Turn it off, power it down, put it away, okay? And have whoever you're with do the same thing. You will find your life gets so much better, even just doing that for one day a week. It's amazing. Just not Tuesdays. Oh, anyways. Maybe not Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Definitely not Tuesdays, especially in the evening. So, especially here, here we go. I'm going to ask you the the hard question, and then we're going to follow it up with, have you been listening lately where we end the show with rapid fire? Yes. So, we're going to get to that. So, everybody get ready in the chat room. Again, waves high, even though they can't see me because I'm waving (laughs) over top of the camera. So... The hard question for you now is give me the promote the self promotion where website and all that stuff. Okay. Uh basically all of my current products are available from the morimethod.com. That's uh the Mori Method, Mori spelled M O R R Y, all one word, all together. And uh, I also have, by the way, I used to have a radio show out of Arizona, Sedona, Arizona for two and a half years. So if you want to hear a show that's nowhere near as entertaining as this one feel free to check out my podcast available on my podcast page. But believe me, it's nowhere near as interesting as this one. Well, not this one particularly. I mean, Jim's show in general. This one has been pretty good. So let's just, uh, (laughs) let's call it what it is. So uh, tonight's Rapid Fire is brought to you by we-search.info. Great UFO information forum, all the rest. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, I didn't. Uh, see, I did it again. I, I normally I'm supposed to be recording that, and I record <laughs> as a separate segment, so I don't have to go back and edit. But you know, anyway. So yes. yeah, life goes on. Uh, lemons or lemons or limes? <laughs> lemons. Uh, favorite stocking stuffer. Oh, that's good considering I'm not <laughs> Christian. Okay, uh, favorite stocking stuffer. How about a uh, Google Home Mini? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay. Uh, favorite board game? Uh, Ouija. <laughs> I, I do. I was, gonna, I was just about ready to say. I was, I was thinking that. I'm like, oh, probably he's going to say Ouija board. I should have. I should have. <laughs> I should have just blurted it out so I could be <laughs> predicting it. Um, favorite meal? Ah, uh, filet mignon. You're Canadian, so this is a hard question. Favorite oh, Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics? Winter. <laughs> Not really hard. We do a lot better. Us Canadians <laughs> do a hell of a lot better in the winter. Uh, favorite drink? Oh, okay. That's a good one. Water. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm not letting you cop out. Honestly, honestly, water. Water's my favorite drink. If Oh, you're talking alcoholic beverage? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to. Crown Royal. Okay, if it, has to be, if it has to be alcoholic, then Crown Royal Rye. I was going to say, because you're a cheap date at water. So. <laughs> I have a cheap date anyway. <laughs> uh, favorite cereal? Favorite cereal, uh, oatmeal. In honor of being Canadian, favorite hockey team? Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, favorite pasta? He's Canadian, but we'll ask him anyways. Okay, favorite pasta. Favorite <laughs> pasta would be spaghetti. I'm pretty boring. Kat wants me to say hello to you because she's Canadian, too. Where hey, are you? Kat. Where are you from was the next part of that question. Okay. Originally, I'm from Winnipeg. I live outside of Toronto now. Obviously, Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> number one, bu- number one bucket list item. 
Uh, number one bucket list item. Okay. To bring my technology to the masses in the mainstream. Any right now, it's kind of hidden on the Internet. So Hidden. Well, except for those billion people who don't have electric, I guess. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no Internet there if they don't have electric. Um, yeah. Any place in the world that you have that any, you are that you already haven't visited. Oh, okay. Any place in the world that I haven't already visited. That would have to be I think it would have to be Shanghai. This this has to be a a Canadian question because I have no idea. Poutine or plain Poutine. Plain, ah see or or regular <laughs> plain straight up fries. Okay. Sweet potato fries. Okay, explain to me what the poutine is because I have no idea. Okay, poutine is uh, like thick fries covered in a thick gelatinous gravy. It's gross. <laughs> It'll kill your heart in 10 minutes, but it's really delicious. But I still say sweet potato fries. You know, I had zucchini fries the other day. They're great. Better than french fries, just for the record. Yep. Probably not as good as it's supposed to be because, you know, once you deep fry it and all this other fun stuff. But uh, free people, living or dead, that you'd like to have dinner with. Okay, uh, what if they're both? What if they're both? What if they're both living and dead? All oh, yeah, we can, we can <laughs> mix and match count, for you. <laughs> okay, Count Dracula. Do they have to be real people, or can they be anybody? They can be anybody. I okay, so Count Dracula. There's my living and dead guy all at the same time. Uh, Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla. You think they'd actually sit down together? Oh, easy. Yeah, especially Dracula. He'd like the uh, smorgasbord <laughs> of blood types. I was referring to Tesla and the... Hey, Tesla and Einstein go hand in hand, for sure. I bet you didn't know that about them. They were like that. <laughs> well, it seems, you know... Well, hey, without Tesla, we wouldn't have pretty much anything we have in our modern world. And Einstein, of course, gave us the quantum level of all of that. So I think they go quite nicely together. Must be one of the, you know, you think, you, you, now that you said it, I, I see that, but you think, you know, there's this modern rivalry between the two. Of course, it wasn't, it didn't exist when they were alive, but anyway. That's true. And you know what? Real, real science is not about knowing things. It's about the search for a better understanding. And real scientists aren't people who have egos. They're people who want to just know more. So the best, you, you don't learn a lot from yourself. You tend to learn more from others. So a real scientist would have no professional jealousies whatsoever. Bingo. And you just talked over the quack, so we've got less than two minutes left. Just be aware. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Quack, quack. That, that's okay. I didn't warn you. I normally try to nudge my way back in there so, you know, the guest was talking <laughs> over it, but that's okay. Um, what's the shape of the Earth? The shape of the Earth is an off uh, off. Cylinder. Well, it's a cylinder. It's not a. It's not a ball, and it's not flat. It's a cylinder. Trouble starter. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> nah, round. It's round. It's a ball. Like uh, a oh, here we go. Uh, favorite planet besides Earth. Ah, that would be Alpha Centauri. Three, not two. I know everyone thinks I like two better, but no, it's three. I'm Alpha Launch. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that that's like a Vulcan joke from Oh so like I said, I'm <laughs> out to lunch, no idea. Um Alpha Centauri is like, you know, out there. It's about 
I don't know, 11 light years away or something. I don't know. You're, you're all going to look online now and correct me. Oh, I know. But, that's so, so, A lot of light years away, and uh, I figured no one would know anything about it, so I could get away with anything. We don't fact check around here. So okay. <laughs> Good. We'll, we'll leave that to the fake news. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, these are just views and opinions shared by a host. Again. Sure. Uh, let's see. Where There's a bunch of them up there. Now I'm, I've missed them, and now I don't know where I was. Oh, boots or shoes, I think I missed earlier. So. Oh, shoes. Definitely shoes. Well, Mari, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, me too. Thank you. And now that we've killed Christmas music for everybody. <laughs> I guess. No, Christmas is a wonderful time of year, but it should be every day should be Christmas for everybody. You should be celebrating every year or every day. Every day of every year, not just the one day. Be a part of the report and help it grow. Share it. Or any other. Do you enjoy every day should be celebrated because every day is special. And every person who's alive is equally special within that day. So no matter who you are, rich, poor, supposedly important or unimportant in your own view, I can tell you that you are very important. And that's why you're here. Got to stop you there because we're already talking over the outro music. Have a good evening. The opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants. All listeners are advised to make their own decisions. Get connected with Take Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take2Radio.com.